Gara, and welcome to Deadly Discussions. This is a podcast on social entrepreneurship. What is social entrepreneurship? Well, it's using your profit for purpose. We interview leaders from many different walks of life, in the field and some in the background. This is about them and their story to how they got to where they are today. If you like the episodes, please share them and like them and subscribe for future episodes. And last of all, please enjoy. Welcome to Deadly Discussions. I'm your host, Isaac Harrison. This is a podcast on social entrepreneurship. And before we get started, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional landowners on whose land I record, which is the Bunurong people of the Kulin Nation down here in the uh, southeast of Melbourne uh, towards the peninsula. And today's guest, I have Richard Hurst, who is currently employed at Brown uh, Resorts, not uh, casinos, I think it's a little bit different, but Richard could explain that. And uh, Richard, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, brother. Uh, I'd also like to acknowledge the Bunurong people where I'm uh, currently residing here in Melbourne in, uh, and uh, really lovely to join you, mate. No worries, brother. Well, we must be neighbours then if you're on uh, Bunurong country too. Yeah, I'm, I'm near the Chadston area. I don't know where you are. Where are you? I'm in uh, Casey. Okay. So a little yeah, bit sure. far. 25, yeah. I'm, I'm one yeah, of the... Yeah, definitely uh, the 5K zone, mate. <laughs> <laughs> that's correct. One of the low-key black fellas in the suburbs, you know, just uh, doing the family thing. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, thanks for, uh, so much for coming on. Now, it'd be interesting to go through your history because you've got a very uh, a colourful history, um, your background. Uh, but you would like to first explain where your mob's from and a bit of your uh, cultural ancestry? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, on my father's side, uh, we're Gamilaroi, so um, around the Coonabarabran area, northwestern New South Wales. Um, some of my family uh, moved from Coonabarabran to Mudgee and then on to Sydney. Um, my yeah. mum's side of the family, they're from, uh, from Ecuador, Ecuador, South America. So yeah, wow. My mum is was a bit of a... Um, a nomad when she was younger um, and did some, uh, she finished high school in the US, uh, went and lived in London and then into Israel and then ended up in Sydney and met my dad a week after they, uh, she arrived basically and uh, they're still together now. And uh, really, yeah, living in Sydney. What an interesting story. So mum comes from Ecuador uh, which I, I'm, I'm assuming a lot of people don't really know much about Ecuador, a South American country. Uh, mm. Very, very reliant on oil industry, aren't they, Ecuadorians? It's, um, yes, yes. Uh, as a few neighbouring countries like Venezuela is as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. That is a an interesting conundrum there. You've got uh, definitely a lot of, uh, resources that are being drawn upon and sadly first nations people indigenous people from um from the the, the jungles have really been, had a, had the rawest deal and um yeah, yeah well. don't really have a voice and uh yeah decimation on terms of uh you know some of the some of the country there like it's uh, it's very sad yeah, well, and I'm sure as we get more indigenous to indigenous uh trade uh, experiences and uh, what would be the word of it? 
better word, or expose, or, you know, from traveling one to another, there'll be cultural and knowledge exchange, which can address that. I think uh, Janae Wimarv, uh, Wimra, which is, I think, Indigenous Women in Mining, did something where they went over to South America, I think, and had a bit of a trade fair with the First Nations uh, women over there. So maybe, uh, you know, in a couple of years, we could see more and more exchange of knowledge and which is better protection for our First Nation people globally. Um, so, so mum comes off, um, did you say the plane in uh, Sydney? She, yeah, she, she came off the plane, um, arrived in Sydney, got, yeah. um, her, I think she, she got robbed in her first week, uh, which is <laughs> well, a, a bad experience, and then met my dad in it was Sydney. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. you know, uh, that, that, was, that was her experience, first, uh, first week in Sydney. Um, yeah, Wow. Not a great, not not straight off the plane, but uh, I got. No, I don't know exactly exactly know the details, but that was uh, 1977. I know that. <laughs> yeah, wow. So 1977 meets dad in church. Now that's funny because my parents also uh, met in church. My father, a white Australian, uh, English heritage from Yorkshire, and my mother is a cubby cubby and very uh woman. And uh, my father came back from Adelaide uh, to uh, Queensland uh, to Mirabara. And he felt he was going to meet his wife and he saw uh, this dark skinned lady, uh, I think up at the front doing some singing. And he's like, that's my wife. And she went, he went and sat down, met, uh, found out who my um, grandma was and sat down, uh, you know, to try to get in with my nan so he could get an invite over for dinner. And that's how the story uh, sort of unpacked from there. So that's so interesting. You sort of have a similar story. And so dad was uh, Camilla Roy. Was he... Uh, living a lot on country and experience culturally or was uh, his sort of family moved off country at an early age? Yeah, moved off country. My dad was born in Sydney. Um, There was, you know, a lot of our, um, a lot of my cousins and, and, and uh, aunties and uncles, they live in the central coast. Um, It's, I think everyone sort of dispersed around the, around the Sydney, Sydney and, and outer surrounds basically coming the, early 1900s really um but yeah, yeah the con- yeah being on uh on country it's you know uh, I've, I've been lucky enough to go back and uh it's beautiful uh it's very uh very much an experience that uh you know it really it really it's really grounding um it's yeah. yeah i think um you know certainly he my, my father didn't have a lot of um uh, cultural uh, knowledge passed on to him because um, his father, my grandfather, um, yep. um, and ended up marrying uh, um, an Austrian. Um, like they, you know, this is this, this is the white Australia policy, basically. It's, it's, yeah, it was, yeah. It was, it was there, there were an Austrian pastry maker um, employed and, and brought over from da- by David Jones. So that yeah, that wow. gives you an insight where you you skilled. Um, labor was like fast tracked um yep. you know and it was it was definitely coming from from the european nations so that's yep. where i think the cultural connection if i could pinpoint one place it would be it would be around that time when we really lost a lot of culture but um you know I, that being said uh, my great grandmother lived to be 97 years old so wow she, she she pretty much raised me um i was with i was at her her house every school holidays and um, my, yeah. my biggest regret on that part is that um, every time that she went back to country I yeah. I thought I'd, I'd you know I'd, I'd, I'd like to hang out with my friends yeah and 
my schoolmates, and you know, you know, this is the you know thirteen or fifteen year old, like, yeah, look, I'm I've got to watch Home Alone two for the tenth time or something stupid like that. Yeah. <laughs> and then that was um, that was kind of like the uh, some one of my biggest regrets is not going to Mudgy with her um, and not connecting with um, with our you know extended family. So that was um, that was a, that was an opportunity missed. There's no doubt about that. Oh, 100%. I think there's um, a lot of regrets. I know with my nana, uh, my, her mother spoke uh, fluently, um, very language. And so she was the same that she wanted to go to the pitches. And so she would spend every uh, waking moment trying to get on a, on a push bike and going, uh, going out and hanging out with friends. And she always said that was something she wished she spent more time um, learning language, becoming um, a master of that language. Because now... What we find is, uh, especially on my grandfather's side, where we've got a clash of culture with the South Sea Islanders from uh, the Kanakas that were brought over through the blackbirding process. Uh, pros and cons, you know, that uh, community was uh, sort of in a bit of a bubble because they weren't um, all f- um, full um, cubby cubby people, but they're also South Sea Islander people. And some of those uh, people had relationships with some of the affluent uh, white fellas on the coast, uh, which kept them... Um, safe and protected during stolen generation um yes. and yeah so it's like pros and cons and looking back and talking to other guests as well there's decisions that our ancestors made um where they've had to sacrifice culture in order to protect their livelihoods um protect their overall well-being and the children's well-being and so they made hard decisions where they've had to leave country or get away from country um just to survive and uh, like you said about the Austrians uh, getting sponsorship, as, as we know, after World War II, that, uh, you know, Snowy, Snowy Hydro and a few other projects, Australia was in huge demand for skilled um, workers and New Zealand was in huge demand for unskilled. And you could see a lot of people coming fast-tracked here who aren't Anglo or English-British descent. It was also that white Australia policy also meant if you're outside of that, uh, say if you're Irish you know, um, you'd be also treated a uh, second-class citizen. Uh, you look at places like WA, they've still got pubs uh, that they keep for historical context, which say uh, no Irish, no abos, and no dogs. And wow. uh, that was the culture we lived, uh, our ancestors lived in, and those things passed through. And the trauma, as we know, gets passed through DNA. So there's still a lot of, uh, I think, work for us to do, which sort of brings me to that question, if I ramble on anymore. <laughs> uh, we know that you're at Crown um, Resorts. And uh, you have a, a senior position there where you're in charge of bringing Indigenous uh, people, talent, employees, businesses. Uh, how did you get there? And, you know, did you go to uni or did you go to the private sector? How, what was the journey to get you to where you are now? Well, it's been a, it's, it's been a long journey. I, I mean, like, what, what can I tell you? I think uh, straight out of straight, uh, at school, I didn't. I didn't, uh, I didn't go as well as I thought I would. So I didn't go to yep. uni straight away. And then I went into um, real estate and vehicle sales. So these are, you know, pretty much um, vol- you know, commission-based and things like that. Yeah. And I tell yeah. you, on retrospect, my first job that I ever got yeah. was a family business. And I remember going for, my, for a home loan back in the day and, all, yeah. and like there was no way I could, afford, I could afford anything. Uh, I switched industries and I started selling cars. And then I, when I went to get a home loan like 
um, or just to even the first inquiry, you know, like there was no way I was going to get it on my first wage working for a family business, at, you know, as a 19 yeah. year old. And I just <laughs> yeah. thought, oh yeah, I'm in real estate. Let's, 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 let's play Monopoly. And then the bank pretty much yeah. laughed me out. Um, but uh, <laughs> the second time around I, I went, I went uh, and I, I did uh, manage to, you know, be quite successful in sales. And then I went yeah. to the bank and they're like, man, like, why were you working for the first mob? Like who? Yeah. Who's that? And I go, it's family yeah. business. So they go, mate, you're paying your minimum wage, like yeah. minimum. And I'm like, oh god, um, yeah. you just don't know these things. I just thought, hey, look, I can, you know, I'm, I'm earning money. That must be good. I stayed there for <laughs> for three for three years. Um, <laughs> so after after uh, quite a few years uh, doing that, um, like you know, it's working weekends. It's working, uh, you know. You'd, you'd, I'd, I'd miss out on all the barbecues, kids' parties, friends' parties, weddings, and yeah, you know, yeah. you'd, you'd have to, you'd have to make a special. Uh, I didn't miss out on any weddings. I made sure I went to them, but you'd, you'd have to. You'd have <laughs> so to I can't come to your wedding. Yeah, selling cars. <laughs> months in advance. <laughs> months in advance to get a day off, like a Saturday. Um, yeah. My mum was just sick of it. I'd come. I'd be outside. Um, she'd always be like, "Oh, mate, like you." you you're just burning out. Like, um, I tell you what, uh, you know, you should, you should go to uni. And I said, Oh, I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm earning good money. I don't need to go to uni. And then, and then she goes, look, I'll do your deal. And I'm like, Oh, she goes, if I go to uni, yeah. that means you have to get like, cause I thought that was my defense. I go, you haven't, you yeah. didn't go to uni, so I'm not going to go. And, um, and then she did an online, um, degree through the university of South Africa. <laughs> I remember that. Um, wow. she completed it, um, you know, and, and it wasn't on, uh, sorry, it wasn't online. It was night school. That was back in the day. It was, it was kind of like night yeah, classes wow. and, uh, she finished the degree and she goes, now you've made a promise and you've got to get a degree at the time. Like, um, I was getting a bit itchy. So, uh, you know, I knew that that kind of, um, uh, I guess, uh, working, um, really putting in like yeah. odd, odd hours and, um, was not, um, you know, really a long-term plan. So I did, I did a bachelor of business and commerce at Western Sydney university. Yeah. And then after that, um, and that was, that was working and studying part-time. So, and then towards the end, I just got, I got sick of doing that. And I just went, you know what, I've saved a bit of money. I'm just going to go and I'm just going to go straight full-time. So I, for the last year, I just did a full-time uni yeah. as a mature yeah. age student. I was a mature age student by that point. Um, to, yeah. you know, um, and then, I uh, went to Canberra, I, yeah. I, I applied for a graduate program. So I went, uh, and completed the graduate program, which is a one year programming, uh, for the federal public service, which is in Canberra at the department of education, employment and workplace relations. So like, it's all, um, yeah, basically education and employment. I worked yeah. on, yeah. um, a lot of the infrastructure. I did, I did quite a few different things. I did, um, uh, building indigenous skill centers. So, um, yeah. that was, uh, about, you know, uh, building infrastructure, like buildings to, to, to purposely, um, train and skill up mob, which was, which was good, yeah, yeah. Uh, all over, all over Australia. And then, um, uh, also just in higher ed, like in, um, in the TAFE and vet sector and then, um, yeah, international education. So I actually, um, uh, that was, you know, the ASEAN region. So Asia and also, um, Latin America. So that was, that was cool. I got to, yeah, got, wow. to do, got to do, 
got to practice some Spanish, which which is another. I was going to say, having a mum, a Spanish-speaking mother, um, <laughs> were you fluent enough to uh, speak Spanish, hold a conversation? Yeah, yeah, that's one thing that I, I do have to thank my mum for. That was, uh, yeah, like uh, I think weekend Spanish school as a kid, and um, <laughs> yeah, wow, you know, yeah. there's there's none of this online stuff back then, mate. It was all textbooks. Everything's weak. Yeah, phone calls and yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, that's fantastic. So then you're, so you're in Canberra. So what's Canberra yeah. like to live in? Oh, to come from Sydney. Oh, it's it's an interesting, like it was good because I had a graduate crew. We had yeah. our 10 year, we even just had a, this year we had a 10 year catch up Yeah. Uh, in Canberra. Just, um, yeah, well, wow. he's the most successful. No. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. Not, not quite. Yeah. No. yeah so he's still, he's still around. Yeah. Oh, that's everyone fantastic. Was really yeah. It was just, just a lot of babies uh, in the mix. So, oh, yes, yeah. Kid, kid-friendly kid afternoon pub catch-up it was. Yeah, and, that's uh, the way. Yeah, that's more in the automotive. Yeah, got to, got to also play a part in the automotive industry like when that was cracking along uh, and yeah, declining. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so that was yeah. interesting. Uh, uh, that was interesting to see, you know, right on the back end of, you know, what is yeah. manufacturing and what, what's, you know, what's, what are the decisions? How do we keep manufacturing in Australia? And yeah. I was working on that. So there was a few different experiences. I can recommend it. Like if, if you're, um, if there's a diverse um, portfolio in different departments yeah. and things. Like that. So I spent three and a half years there um, in Canberra and to, to live Canberra, like there's a good, there's a good, uh, you know, it is what you make it. It can be, uh, yeah. everyone's experience I've spoken to is a bit different. It's, it's a small, yeah. it's a big country town basically. Yeah, so many people that I know live there sort of um, understand the inner workings of federal government and, and parliaments and it, how it, uh, you know, works with the market and how things that, you know, regulations that we see or policies that can uh, influence our lives and then who influences the people that then write those policies. So I think it's very interesting to keep an eye on what happens there. And I know a lot of mob have strategically moved there make that a headquarter for their business because of the indigenous procurement policy, um, but also to make sure that they're at the center of the action when it comes to uh, the indigenous business sector and what the you know policies that come out to impact us uh, as well. But as you know, I haven't won anything under that indigenous procurement policy, but we've won stuff under state uh, policy and just winning out of good value proposition, which is, you know, like you just said, helping our mob, educating our mob, you know, employing and procuring from our mob, uh, reference, you know, networking and uh, encouraging one another to do better. I think that's the biggest value we have as a people, just like uh, the Jewish or Greek uh, communities that came over inside of their own economies by, you know, buying and selling and trading with one another. Um, oh, and, you know, etching, out a part of, etching out a part of Melbourne and saying, well, you know what, we'll take this street here and we're going to all work very hard and buy from each other and keep the money circulating so we all can get ahead. And I think that's a really great model, you know, somewhere in between capitalism and socialism. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, fantastic. Yeah, there's a good, so, there's a good, um, there's a good uh, black fellow network in in, Mel- in in Canberra, absolutely. And, um, and yeah. some people doing amazing things, uh, really working as, as high-level public service, uh, servants, influencing and, and really um, being able to be in the same room. And even overseas, like there's, there's quite a number of uh, Aboriginal people working for Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade and they're, they're posting yeah. overseas, some of my mates. So like it's, it's what it's Yeah, that's experience. right. Well, we've got uh, Young Benson as well, uh, which is 
you know, I think he's getting posted in Houston and uh, yeah. I had him on two episodes ago and uh, he's very excited for what lies ahead. And uh, I think one thing we, as Indigenous people, we we think that, you know, that we just have Australia, we have our own challenges with our own second peoples here and government structures, um, but there's so much opportunity uh, globally for First Nations people to be involved with, uh, you know, I know there's one with you've got Indonesia looking to build a city, you know, another city, um, and they're wanting a massive, they you know, want like a First Nations uh, hub, Malay hub, to input on consultancy and design and, you know, construction. So, you know, people are taking steps around the world. And I think we we are at the front runners, um, probably behind the Canadian First Nations people, um, about being involved in a, in a real capacity, which is so exciting. Um, so we'll get into mm. where you are at Crown. So then you moved to Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. Moved to Melbourne. I, think it's... Um, I love Melbourne. I think it's a fantastic yeah. city. Um and uh, just worked on an, uh, an Indigenous internship program when I first got here. Yeah. Um, about, um, yeah, just um, linking up opportunities for, for uh, people. Uh, yeah. And then I ended up at the Indigenous Accountants Australia, which is all yeah. about uh, increasing the representation of our mob into the accounting profession. Very important. And that, yeah. that there is, is, is super important. I mean, like, it is... It is uh, an underrepresentation that is is it's it's quite staggering. We're talking less than a hundred uh, qualified Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander accountants with either a CPA or a chartered accountants accounting yeah, designation. Wow. Yeah, that's less than a hundred. The, the the national membership is two hundred thousand members. So we're less than a hundred yeah. out of two hundred thousand. That's it's it's a it's pretty it's quite low. Yeah. Um and and of of those people there. You know they're they're doing amazing things, and I guess they can use it as as a vehicle for 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 so many different things. Is you oh, know, working yeah. for the not for profit sector, working for yeah. um, you know big four consulting. They you know yeah. there's, there's the accounting is the language of business, and 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 that yeah. is um, it's a, it's a skill and it's a tool. But you know even community organisations and the, yeah. the financial literacy and know how. This yeah. is where this is where we come unstuck. Um, is, is 100%. I was going to say that. Yeah, with the, yeah. the word accounting, I think the first time someone sat down, actually, the first time I was offered to be mentored, so I was on the trade on my tools at O'Brien's Auto Glazier and um, back on country, Sunshine Coast, and I got the Noosa run that day. So, Joel, Noosa is not short of the pennies. So, I got sent up to a closed estate uh, on a golf course, and everyone's there. And, Everyone was pretty, you know, la di da. How are you going? And um, the guy I had was a ex uh, SAS soldier, and he was uh, retired. And um, he, I don't know, he just started talking to me and asked where I was from, as Indigenous. And he said, "Oh wow!" And he started, he started talking more and asked about, you know, what he did for work. And he said, "Well, I'm a soldier, and uh, you know, retired now in special forces." And and then I was like, sort of looking at this estate and looking at this rough tough Aussie, you know, he had his boardies on just normal shirt and he had like a, like a Range Rover or something. So I'm like, wait, this guy's a soldier and he lives in this rich estate now. And so he starts talking, he said, oh, look, I invested a lot in, in shares a lot when I was younger, I put aside this much and this much. And he started explaining to me. And then he said to me, listen, mate, you know, if you want to come up for a cuppa, I can show you how to do those things and, you know, help you out if you ever need. And I was like, ah, not for me. Thanks, mate. And I just sort of just drove off. That was the first time. And the second time, I had someone uh, from my church actually sat down and 
we had a couple and they said, oh, you know, do you use a budget, Isaac? And I said, a budget, what's that? <laughs> and so I was only probably yeah, 20, I think 19, 20. And, uh, cause my idea of a budget was I pay my rent, pay my phone bill and my internet and then the rest I just spend. And then I would yeah. always just overspend. And so they said, no, you gotta be intentional. And I sort of tried it and then it didn't stick. Uh, and then eventually, uh, it came from my own sort of volition when I started having debt and different things building up. One, one was for a car that I didn't even use. And it was just getting, in, it started to bug me. I had a bit of OCD kicking in. And so I started looking into how do you get rid of your debt and, and budgeting and that personal finance, uh, mm. which led into me eliminating my debt, becoming debt-free um, as a First Nations man, which is big for me because my parents, for instance, had purchased land at uh, a certain price and the debt on that now is, is still quite high. And so they're like, oh, we'll just refinance. But my white side, my grandma, she's owned a house since the 70s. She was a single mom. So my grandma would try to teach us about wealth creation and assets and, you know, different things like that. And so for me, it was like this journey um, of meeting different people and experiences in life where I had enough is enough. And now, you know, listen, people like Dave Ramsey or um, other people that talk about, you know, wealth creation. And then obviously with the business and getting a proper accountant to walk me through how to set up a family trust and do those things. It was, it was a long journey, but I was oh, very blessed that I had people to, to guide me. Um, and like you just said, with the low number of indigenous people within the finance sector, um, it's very hard for mob to come across someone who knows what they're talking about, is proven, and is also a good example. You know, mob don't want to be like someone who's like, yeah, I've got it all under control, I'm wealthy, blah, 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 you know, big note themselves. Because straight away they'll be turned off because like, oh, I don't want to end up like that guy. Yeah, yeah. But there's absolutely. sort of sort of a bit of a humility that needs to come with um as we as First Nation people find our footing and then start creating assets and wealth for our kids and our children's children, um, it's about how do we bring the rest of our community on? I'm sure that's something you would have had to sort of figure out how, how do I reach community and then how do I educate community? And then thirdly, how do I continue to you know keep them? And the, the best way accounting is uh, you know, to account for that money coming in. You know, every dollar you know counts as a community. And our, and our old ones knew that with, you know, uh, dampers, uh, uh, what's the other one to talk about? Jack cake, um, you know, fishing, all, all this sort of stuff. Johnny cakes here. Um, it's about making every dollar count. And I think us as mob have sort of come away from that. We need to find that middle ground. Yeah, look, it's, it's one of those things. I, I stumbled into saving money. And the only reason I did um, when I was early on, because um, you, you'd never turn up to a bank even just to inquire without at least having a little bit of savings the only way i did that yeah. <laughs> my girlfriend worked as the reception my girlfriend at the time worked at the, as a receptionist at a financial planner and i had yeah. to bugger all money and she goes oh listen richard like they're gonna uh, do you want to save a bit and i go yeah like i go i don't know like they go oh they'll do you a deal because basically yeah. they just want to help us out so like they're willing to put together a plan for you and it's yeah. only because of that at about 20 years old that I even had savings because they go, yeah, wow. like, this is what you're going to do. This is the plan for you. It was all written out and I'd just go, and it yeah. was free. They offered it to us for free because they were just yeah, good wow. people. Yeah. If I hadn't had that, I don't, I don't think that would have set me up. And that was just a yeah. chance. Like she was the receptionist and she was yeah, only there wow. for like two, three months. So in that three month window, I managed to set up a savings um, yeah. kind of fund and it was yeah. just taking 
taking my pay direct. So I didn't even get to see it. And these are the kind of strategies where, I mean, I don't even do that now, to be honest with you. So I'm not, <laughs> you know, it's one thing about knowing it. It's uh, the other thing is adopting it. And then the third thing is sticking to it. So yeah. you can do those three, three things. Um, and, you know, a lot of this sort of like practical personal advice, I hate to say it, it's on those damn, those horrible TV shows in the morning that, that disparage our mob. They, yeah. they do give out, you know, Australian based tips and traps, you know, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it's all online anyway. So let's not watch those shows yeah. if we don't have to. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah that's right. No one, no one, if any mobs, stuff. young mob listening, any mob, uh, even our, um, you know, second people listeners is once you uh, master that personal finance uh, side of your life and you set healthy boundaries with yourself, I think that's the way to see it is like you'd have healthy boundaries with someone else. If you have healthy boundaries with yourself and set up percentages to put away uh, and have your goals as well. I think a lot of our, our mob don't have the goals. And once you have goals and you set aside your finance, um, start walking towards that. When you come into business, uh, it actually makes it a lot easier because your business is just another uh, portfolio or another account to manage, you know, you make sales, you pay your tax, you buy your insurances, you have cost of acquisition of more sales, and you keep just repeating that through. And every time income comes in, you just set them, set them aside. And that way you're never caught out with tax debts, or you're never caught out with, uh, you know, falling short of paying contractors or, or suppliers. And, that's something, uh, yeah, lucky learning with the personal side. So once I got into business and as the business grew, it's just simple. There's just more zeros. So now it was, I didn't see it as my money. I saw it as the business's money. And then once we've done everything right, there could be money left over uh, for myself or for my family, you know, as profits. So people think when people go into business or into profit, they're going to make these big paychecks and take all this money. Um, yes, if you do it wrong, then people are taking too much and they should. But when you do it right, it's actually quite requires a lot of discipline. And uh, that's something that uh, I believe our people, especially with our sport and, and arts, are so good at. So once we get that into our business sense and business brains, uh, we'll be very resourceful, resilient and productive people taking, you know, we're from one of the biggest desert nations and we're going to make it one of the most productive you know, land masses. So anyway, I'll keep going too. No, there's, so, there's some good tools out there. Like um, First Nations Foundation is uh, yeah, all about financial literacy. And yep. there's a My Moolah uh, app uh, and o- online um, module as well. It's all free and you can just tie it, you know, it, it's it's all about what's what's my current situation? What Where am I heading? Like what yeah. small changes can I make that's not going to impact my lifestyle too much that are, is going to give me um, a little bit more freedom and 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 and, a, and more choices. This is the thing. Like our yeah. our voice isn't heard because you know it's not because we're not the loudest. It's because we just don't get the platforms and we don't have the influence. Because all, that that's all with the that's all white money there. And 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 um, yeah. you know that that's unfortunately where you know you've got the situation when you know what is the stat? It's something ridiculous. It's like the the top one percent have you know ninety five percent of the world's you know, network like, yeah. like the wealth. It's just, it's yeah. just, uh, it's bonkers. But this is the, this is the system. It's the, it's the colonial construct that, um, that we live in. And it's yeah. not about, I mean, like we want to, you know, I'm all for, um, you know, kind of uh, decolonizing in a way yeah. where it's just small, small pieces, small, small bits at a time. But, um, 
it's it's it's, it's they they know how to play the game. There's no shame in knowing the game. Yeah. And let's just not be like them and exploit it to our to 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 the to the nth degree where you're making choices based on the the, the bottom line and and not about yeah, people. Your personal gain. I think that's uh, I always say you know uh, cash and I mean culture over cash because uh, for us as a mob. And, and knowing a lot of have come from the traumatic, uh, you know, 60s, 70s, when they get an opportunity to have an increase of capital in their life and finance, a sense of entitlement, not from, uh, you know, handout mentality, but I'm owed this, which which is fair, which is, you know, mm. from what our ancestors have gone through working for free, uh, then being told you're lazy, you know, it's just it's just been a constant struggle. So when there's an opportunity to get funding or look after an organisation where a large sum of money comes through, uh, I find a mob can easily justify and go, you know what, I deserve this. You know, this is my, uh, this is I deserve this income. And yeah. unfortunately, that plays into the hands of the narrative of uh, the colonisation structure. Is oh, well, see, you can't trust these black fellas with money. You know, you can't mm. trust them. When they, when they know what they're doing, you know, when they've traumatised and abused a certain uh, demographic and then they throw some cash at them, they know what the outcome's going to be. And, you know? and that's so, the narrative. That's, that's, a, that's what they want to, to, to have case studies about, well, blackfellas that yeah, haven't see, managed their money. But it. honestly, I know that the, the biggest threat to, uh, you know, self-determination and, and economic empowerment is actually people that have come in and yeah. defrauded Aboriginal organisations and, co- yeah. and community organisations. And, and they usually pinned not one another. Indigenous. Yeah. Yeah. They're, not, they they're not Indigenous people. They're not Indigenous yeah. people that actually uh, actually cook in the books. Yeah, and we've got people that come in as well that pin uh, one another against each other uh, for the sake of a you know, 60 grand a year salary, which is mm. when mob think, oh, that's a lot, but it's really not. And one thing, uh, we'll have like a, a financing session here on Deadly Discussions. This <laughs> uh, <laughs> is exciting. And, but the, the one thing is with community is understanding the you know, GDP, understanding that this nation will turn over this much through tax revenue from the private sectors, uh, from uh, you know, NGOs, from those groups, um, that tax that they're taxing to, to govern and steward the land is a representation of wealth and resource which belongs to our people. Hmm. That was who was here before for thousands of years. And so when colonizer came over and he put a layer on top, put a slab on the ground and said, it's you know, 1901, we're declaring ourselves a, a nation, well, still under the queen anyway, um, or registered in Washington, so technically a corporation. Um, and they said, this is what we're doing. And uh, we're going to collect tax and we're going to build roads and infrastructure. But it didn't stop there because as we know, they now dabbed into Aboriginal affairs, Aboriginal sovereignty, even what defines families, what defines, uh, you know, boundaries and laws of speech and freedom of religion and all those sort of things that just keep going more and more into. But as First Nation people, we've got to understand that it's okay to handle the dollars. It's okay to be good at money. It's okay to be wealthy because that is a representation of the resource which was owed to our people. And so we need to be involved with that, understand that, but then use that to build our own people up. And then also we live in both two worlds, culturally and morally, um, even uh, religiously, our people. So now it's about living off the land in certain ways, food, water, uh, habitation, but then also living amongst self, you know, second peoples, 
in Australia working together. And I think that's uh, a longer path and it's going to take patience, but uh, uh, people need to understand that because, yeah, we can't have one without the other. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely, um, there's two, there's two, two, there's two ways of learning. There's, there's, um, you know, amazing allies out there that really want to see, see, um, you know, this injustice, uh, balanced, you know, somewhat. And sadly it is, it is a, it's a long road. It's, it's, it's generational change, but you know, if, you know, if if the success is, you know, you, you can you can have all the money in the world and, and still be an absolute failure in yourself and you and for your community and family, like in terms of yeah. the richness of, of, of self. Like I know people yeah. that have got a lot of money and you know what, I, I, I wouldn't be able to go to sleep at, at night thinking of, of some of the yeah. some of the troubles and some of the people they've crossed, you know, to get yeah. yeah, I know. And we're seeing uh, 2015 Indigenous procurement policy launches and we had a lot of creation of business and a lot of those rushed off to the early adopters, uh, but compromise some sort of uh, structural integrity. And uh, as we see 2020 now, the first real recession is going to hit uh, the First Nation uh, business sector here in Australia. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people who had shoddy foundations will be sort of swept away. Uh, but also a lot of things are coming to light now where people are winning contracts. Uh, none of that's actually been passed on to Aboriginal people or businesses, both Indigenous yeah. business and mainstream businesses have been caught out with this where they say, oh, we're helping black fellows. And then when people look at their books, they've got one contract out of 70 contracts given to another Indigenous business and they've turned over 30 mil or something like that. So it's getting really, the, the heat's turning up and it's great because, you know, if you refine uh, gold, uh, you get the dross drop away and you get to the gold stay. So, um, so you're at Crown now, brother. And, yes, yes. You know, I want to explain a bit, of, bit, of your, bit of your role at there and, and then, you know, uh, I'd love for you to touch on how you've had a bit of a sales and, and marketing background uh, similar to myself and how you've then gone into business and seeing everything from that sort of communication aspect. Yeah, look, um, at my current, in my current role in, in Crown, it's, a, it's, it's Indigenous Employment Ma- Program Manager for Crown Melbourne. And Crown yep. Crown Resorts is 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 a group. It's uh, you know we've got uh, three three sites. One coming up in about seventy days. There'll be Crown Sydney will open. Um, yeah, wow. And the other site is in in Perth. And yep. uh, look, we've got like seven hundred different role types. It's you know it's it's hospitality, tourism, gaming, and and, and entertainment. It's an entertainment yep. complex basically. Yeah. Um, really uh, beautiful hotels, and um, you know the the. Food and food and beverage outlets are just incredible. So it's it's a real yeah. experience, and and it's for, you know, there's there's different sections of of there's there's the retail, there's even, you know, mini golf, and there's all sorts of things. There's there's something for everyone. There's cinemas, so that that's where the, the seven hundred different role types come in. So we we, yeah, we wow. recruit and we try and uh, create a, an a, an internal community of 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 our mob um, who work there in and and then connect them with each other and also. Um, you know, seek to procure goods and services from Indigenous business, uh, promote culture and, and really, like, um, make sure that the, the whole Crown community and our guests and yeah. whoever's accessing the facility can see that, um, you know, um, Aboriginal culture is, is, is valued. And, it, you know, it is, it is a, um, you know, that whole guest experience, you know, where tourism and hospitality is a, is a really good uh, um medium for for aboriginal culture and and it's not yeah. that we do it really well but 
like I'm it's it's a challenge and it's something that's really exciting because yeah um, I was going to say probably one of those challenges that you would face is the conundrum where we've got you know uh, we've got I've got a you know good brother uh, Jarrah boy Dale Carl and his uh, and his wife um, they've got the beer but one of the feedback from community as well how can you sell alcoholic beer when you know mob have alcohol problems and so the, the same oh, question yeah. I would probably throw to you is uh, how do you attract Indigenous talent to a resort that does have a gaming, gambling aspect when we know community of, uh, you know, gambling issues? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I'm to, you know, it is it is one of those things. It's, it is a big part of the business. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, the gaming um, functions. Look, uh, I think, I think there, look, there is responsible, uh, like Gambling Harm Awareness Week is on in, in October. Yeah. There's there's on-site counselling, um, yeah. also phone counselling. Every sort of counselling is available, as well as all the the dealers, staff, and 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 people are trained to recognise signs when some people are really taking, either been there too long, taking massive yeah. risks, or just don't look like they're really enjoying themselves, like yeah. um, fatigued, um, disgruntled. Uh, you know, this this is where there's a responsible gaming. Um, there's a whole department around responsible gambling, and um, yeah. I think um, not to detract off um, off off this, but I think what's scary in that space is that yeah. um, the rise, particularly with the COVID pandemic, the rise of online gambling, and you got you got gambling facility right in your pocket. Everyone does. Yeah, that's that's scary. Well, I was going to say to you, one of the uh, Leandra I had on a couple of weeks back, she was saying in our communities that she knows uh, as soon as Mob could withdraw super, uh, went down and withdraw the largest sum they possibly could and got it in cash and went back to community and uh, got on the cards. Wow. And, um, you know, that's unmonitored, uns, uh, you know, and people can do whatever they want with their money, but it's sort of like, how do we get our mob to a place where, uh, you know, there's a bit of a hype in it and there's a bit of excitement. And we know mob, some people just go down, put a couple of dollars in pokies or put a bit of, uh, you know, on blackjack as they're passing through and they go have dinner or something, you know, just a bit of lighthearted uh, entertainment. But then it's like, how do we bring that education to mob? I think it's some have voids and especially with COVID, it's, it's highlighted a big void where you're not having personal interaction with people where you've got, you know, not just the gaming, but you've got, you know, Dan Murphy's as an essential service, you know, oh, for yeah. our mob lock, locked away in community, you can just order a couple of cartons on your phone, you know, and um, we've also got uh, illegal substances being circulated too, high, more than ever, because people are looking yeah. to fill the void in their lives now where they're sort of stuck at home. So well, that's a good good point you made, brother. And I'm sure there's going to be learnings. And I know with the First Nation Americas, you've got that stigma of American, uh, you know, uh, uh, First Nations and gambling casinos and well, uh, some of the thing. other stuff this that goes a, on. It's an amazing, um, it's, it's, a, it's an incredible story where it all came out from paying the rent. So, yeah. you know, you know the, um, the American casinos um, rose um, when – there was some campers that was just pretty much plonked their camper van on, on Abri you know, uh, first nations land yeah. uh, in America. And then they're like, Hey, listen, like, you know, you got to pay rent. And then they refused to pay rent. And then, so they took them to court and then the court goes, well, this is Aboriginal land. So we don't know 
we don't have jurisdiction there. And then they just went, well, yeah, well. jurisdiction. Okay. <laughs> and um, yeah, no, that, that's, that's how it all spawned. It's yeah. an interesting where like, okay, this is, this is a, this is a revenue stream, but I know that they do a lot of, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, money set aside to put back as, 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 as yeah. So I was just going to say, so for a lot of people listening with the first nation of America's um, some States even have tax free thresholds. Um, where they've got their own sovereign land. Um, but what they do is they bring that money in from the other nation, the USA, and they put it through the casino and then they put that back out through community, employing people in the resort or the casino and distributing money back to community groups. So it's uh, one of those things where, like we just spoke about with character, where you've got all this now finance coming through, which represents that... Uh, the, the GDP of the whole nation, which we're supposed to look after. And it's about, you know, putting that in good streams that are going to build up uh, everyone, not just in a finance, but, you know, education, health, well-being, uh, and future planning. So, uh, brother, we're already 44 minutes. I think it's one of the longest daily discussions. Personal finance oh, sorry, with Richard Hertz and Isaac Harrison. <laughs> <laughs> we could keep going. Um, let's finish up with, um, you know, what the five, 10 years, where, where are you personally? And where do you see uh, a lot of these big corporates like Crown and, and their place within that Indigenous, you know, a lot of people say we want to employ Aboriginal people, but we also know that one of the biggest things is procurement. So uh, bringing Indigenous businesses, is that something Crown is focusing on as well? Do you see a big shift with corporates yeah. changing mindsets from we can't secure Aboriginal talent who want to work for a paycheck, mob want to work for their own businesses and self? And how would that, you know, look for you? Yeah, look, I think uh, the sector's growing, it's changing. It's, it's you know, uh, I think uh, personally, uh, this is the thing. This is about planning. I, 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 I'm not saying I don't have a plan, but my goodness, yeah. uh, it, it is a, it is a uh, 10 years. If I look back 10 years, I would know, had, I, I didn't even, I'd only been to Melbourne once. Um, so now yeah. I'm living here. So, uh, this is the thing, uh, I think... You know, in terms of um, Indigenous business engagement and selection and development, I think, you know, it's, I think I'm speaking for all corporates is that, you know, these companies that perhaps have joint ventures and they've got backing and, and this, that, the other, well, that's great. You think, you, you know, like, Okay, that's that's easy. But what what why not take the challenge is to take the road less travelled, and yep. invest in time, be it mentoring, be it you know um, an an incubation process, maybe like yep. like or identifying new opportunities and finding people that actually could have that skill set, giving them the tools and expertise to supply, and yep. and even if it's just a you know as gradual steps like building their capability and capacity that's the challenge and that takes time and we need really good allies and 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 uh motivated people to to really jump on board and, and this is the way it should be it shouldn't be just hey let's let's oh man like i'm going to look at this directory and hope that there's someone's going to be able to do this because we get it from x and now we want to tick a box that doesn't work yeah. And that shouldn't be the approach. It should be like this is empowering Indigenous people to provide for their family and community. And you know, often there's there's the the flow on effect is 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 good and 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 it's for everybody. So this, there's 
there's a, a big opportunity and it's a big challenge. Certainly um, at Crown, we're looking at different things um, to with that with that sort of mindset, and uh, we'll, we'll see what the next. It'll be it'll be a good challenge to see. It's a good challenge, and and it's something that we're we're ready for. But um, to you know, to, to really do it justice and do it well, that's that is going to take a bit of work, but it'll be so enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. The uh, returns and the reward will be so uh, satisfying, and you know, outlining what success is from that point of view uh, would be just yeah, highly rewarding. I I think. And uh, what about uh, yourself, Richard? You reckon you'd ever be back on Gamilaroi country? Oh, I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to. It's, um, you know, it's one of the astronomical, you know, astronomy is a big thing there. And, you know, we, yep. we know so much about how the stars guide out, guided our elders. It's, um, you know, uh, I know one, one of my cousins is, is learning Gabilaroi language. Um, yep. You know, that's that's amazing that that is, that is uh, it's offered through TAFE, New South Wales. Like it's, uh, you know, there's things that are going to be there to revitalise our culture. We've just got to find them and then just... Uh, you know, um, apply ourselves. But what's encouraging is non-Indigenous people are in the class. So, um, yeah, that's wow. what she's telling me. So, you know, it's it's um, it's exciting. I think an amazing. Um, you know, we're we're so good at at so many creative industries as well, and um, I, I just I just really excited. But it makes me proud to see that um, that people are really just enjoying themselves while promoting culture and being proud Aboriginal people, yeah, you know, um, Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people. It's just, it's just, it's an exciting time. Um, you know, I, I just hope that, you know, there's, like you said, I, I really feel that the future with the way that the globally connected community could be, I mean, you can only look at how we're communicating over technologies now yeah. is that there's more of that first nation global network there's more there's more spark there because yeah. um you know uh, particularly um you, you know there's different learnings and there's different there's different p people that like even just in accounting the the accounting network like um we we are the we are the the country that is is um furthest behind but yeah. the learnings the learnings from the maori and the learnings from um and Aboriginal Canadians, uh, they're, they're already there. They're, they're, yeah. They are working. I mean, they've got, you know, I mean, everyone say they've got treaty, but, um, and, you know, that does uh, sort of gives gives allowance to, to having some of that economic development through yeah. land use. And I mean, like, look, at the end of the day, yeah. I mean, we're, uh, you know, what's, what's one thing that's, that everyone wants um, and that was really Aboriginal is, is the land, sea, yeah. and it's, our culture and yeah. you know it's so disheartening to see um you know we got we got people moving in on all sides of that whether that be mining or people trying to steal a flag like you know it's just yeah. it's just it's it's a bit overwhelming but let's um let's let's always know that uh that we we we've got a voice and 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 um certainly we've got skills there's no doubt about yeah. it. yeah and i think like you said is a good point is um once treaty's done settlements done and we can use land and we've got an allowance or capital to do that we're still going to have the same challenge which is what are we going to do with the capital what's the plan what's the forecast what's the business plan what's the future look like what's the exit strategy so we'll have to come back to 
that personal character of our people to steer those ships because yeah, we'll, you'll be handing large quantities. And once treaty's done, and Mob needs a probably the good one to end on. Once treaty's done, the, the agreement settlement's done. There won't be this this pull to have to engage as intense with First Nation people as there was before, because uh, those departments can turn around and say, well, we've done the treaty, you know, what else do you want? And that's sort of, if you look what's happened uh, overseas in different groups, they've said, oh, no, we've given you, like you probably know in Ecuador, no, no, we've given you your part of the deal. Mm. You know, what else do you want? You signed it. And so that's something we need to be very, very cautious as First Nation people you know, what we're signing, what we're agreeing to. And if we do have those settlements, that it's fair. And two, we're going to quadruple that capital and make it something that's going to be there for our children's children. Yeah, it's generational. It has to be generational change because it's no point we say, you know, looking back in, you know, 20 years time and say, oh, you know, remember that, you know, 2025, yeah. like that that deal. And then, yeah, you know, that's right. Like, we got some little two for five, five years and then we had to move out, you know. <laughs> it's and, and a bad... There was a... Um, there was a mob, um, just really quickly, really quickly, I'll try, yeah. I promise. Uh, in Kununurra, there's I-Base, I um, uh, which is a, the, part of the Woonan, uh Foundation, which is basically yeah. Aboriginal-led, Aboriginal Aboriginal-managed. Yeah. Um, they, they put in a, a disclaimer. They said, listen, what we're going to do is we're not going to, we're going to get, we've got, we've got this amount of money, but we're not going to yeah. touch it for 20 years. Yeah. And we're going to grow it. And that's, the, and it's worked. Yeah, and, yeah. and there's other they've mobs. Got investments. Yeah. They got they got rental car companies. They got different yeah. things. They've they they put their money in different things, and not hedge their bets all on one on 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 the one, you know, venture. Yeah, uh, but making educated guess, and they've also opened up um, indigenous consulting for indigenous yeah. people by indigenous people and and you know very skilled allies. So yeah. Um, that is that there, I base in Kununurra, and also they've they're, they've got a, an office in Perth. Um, very exciting, and that's the model that a lot of um, uh, First Nations Canadians use as well, which yeah. is uh, yeah. about keeping money and control and I think, knowledge. Uh, Nan or Nena is one of the organisations, and uh, the I think Indian people. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but yes, a similar thing, settlements. And they said, no, nah, we're putting that back into infrastructure, into uh, investment funds, which we cannot touch or access, so no withdrawals. Um, the only way that money can be withdrawn is if it's been put into a, another enterprise. And that'll be the same model my, my mob will take back on the Sunshine Coast, which is we'll have enterprises, which will give people wages, but the, the profits and the dividends will go back into another fund to create more businesses. That's fantastic. That's great. That's way to do it. So thanks for coming, Ron, brother. Well, you did break the Guinness World Record for longest I'm daily sorry. discussions episode. You no, know, congratulations. <laughs> it's the COVID isolation, mate. It's ever like I haven't, young, and now I haven't spoken to anyone. Yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, it's fantastic, bro. So if everyone's listening, uh, make sure you like this, uh, share this, uh, subscribe to all our channels, Instagram. Uh, YouTube as well, we got that up. Uh, but yeah, make sure you shout and distribute to get it out to other mob uh, that be keen on listening. And uh, we look forward to everyone joining us next time.